Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. My name is Kataira Poland. I am the CEO of Love for Words, which is an editing boutique. And I'm also the hostess and creator of Editor Knows Best, the podcast you're tuned into right now. And our episodes do air every Monday at 7 p.m. We'll be giving an update with the new schedule, but for now it's 7 p.m. Eastern um, every Monday. Um, so thank you again for tuning in. And you can hear the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you want to listen to a podcast, you can find Editor Knows Best. And you can also visit anchor.fm slash Editor Knows Best for a little bit more information, or if you would like to be a guest on the show. So we do have a very special guest today. I am so excited he was able to join us, and I know that you will be too uh, once we get talking about his, his background, his history, his career, and experience. So he is an editor, a book coach, and an Amazon bestselling author. He has worked as an editor and writing mentor since 2014. He's passionate about helping authors to own their voices. He is on a mission to help inspired, influential individuals turn their passion and their message into books that transform lives, build movements, and create waves of positive change in the world. Today's guest is Andre Smith. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andre. Hi, thank you so much for the welcome. That, that is so beautiful. Thank you for having me on. It is an honor to be here. And I look forward to having this discussion with you. And hopefully it'll reach the right ears and inspire some people for their books or their careers. For sure. You're welcome for the invitation. And thank you so much for accepting. So if you could just tell uh, myself and our listeners a little bit about how you got into the editing field, we would love to know more about that. Oh, absolutely. So I, those who knew me growing up knew that I was kind of a born writer. I had a love for storytelling and a passion for words and wordplay. And so growing up, I was always writing stories. Through high school, I kind of wrote my first bad novel. You know, every every new author has, has that one that no one ever gets to see anymore. I wrote that. And from there, um, when I graduated, I was like, I think I would like to kind of have this as a career, maybe, but there's no real money in it from what I was told. No money in writing or editing. They said, you know, you'll be a starving artist unless you go into like newscasting. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'll just keep it as a hobby. So I joined some various writing forums and they ate me up and spit me out. I I learned that what's good to your academic teachers is not always what's really good for book publishing. So I had to relearn a lot of different skills. I ended up finding a lot of different people to mentor me and coach me through certain processes. Um, But I actually ended up finding someone who was very stern, but she had a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom. And she took me under her wing as a mentor. Um, I joined up in her program and she, even though I don't necessarily agree with all of her decisions on terms of, you know, certain style guides and her approach to editing and mentoring, she was a bit more harsh. She was was nitpicker in chief to say the least. I opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And after that, I when I went into college, I was like, okay, I'm going to take as many writing and editing classes as I can, as my English degree will allow me to, so I can improve my writing. But what I found is that over time, I grew in my knowledge and skill base that I was mentoring others around me. Mm-hmm. And I eventually ended up doing some reviews. I started out as a reviewer and then a beta reader, and then just various projects I kept taking on for copy editing, proofreading, and it just kind of took off from there. And over the years, I took on bigger and bigger projects from short stories to novels and memoirs, 
and so on and just kind of built over time. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. So one of the things that you have mentioned is mentoring. And that doesn't often come up in the writing field, at least not that I've heard of. So what did that look like for you? Was it like an official, were you a part of a program where you were assigned a mentor or did you like pick up informal mentors along the way? So part of it was definitely informal. When you join up on good quality writing forums and good writing groups, there are always people who will know more than you. And if you're open to learning and listening to advice, you'll get better, you'll hear things and they'll be more willing to share. That's one thing that I think a lot of young authors miss is that humility piece. Um, I had to learn it myself. You know, there was points where I was like very argumentative, but as I learned to just sit with what was being told to me, I was able to learn from these people who were willing to give advice. And the more I learned and implemented, the more they were willing to share to the point where people actually, um, some of them, um, end up buying me various books and shipping them to me from other states and other countries. Like, hey, read this book. You'll really love it. And I learned a lot that way. But when I found um, this other mentor, I actually ended up hiring her because um, she'd been an editor for like 30 something years and worked on various projects. And she was sharing so much knowledge. I'm like, I knew if anyone could help me, right. it was her. So when she offered to join up in her program, you know, one to one, turn in my uh, various projects and get feedback and talk about things, I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And it was much more formalized. I would send her documents I was working on and she would give me feedback on on things from manuscript submission form, proper formatting for short stories and uh, long fiction, all of that, all the way down to, um, did what I write actually logically make sense? Can, I I remember one of the things I I shared recently, I had written a, a statement that said, you know, the day was cold and bitter and nothing but gray clouds and gray sky and gray wind. And she commented in parentheses, how can wind have color? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I see what you're saying, but you're, <laughs> it's a figure of speech. And she's like, it doesn't make sense. Get rid of it. <laughs> right, 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 right. So what would you recommend to other uh, authors and editors um, when it comes to choosing a mentor? I would recommend a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, be coachable for the first part. You know, they say in the writing world, you have to have thick skin. I personally don't subscribe to that thought necessarily. I think there's ways to give feedback that is not damaging to someone's self-esteem, but definitely be be coachable and recognize that people who are offering feedback is, are offering it from their experience and they're just trying to help you in the way that they know is best. And you learn from everything, but then also vet the people. Don't just hop on Facebook and say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor and choose the first five people who hop on. Right. And they may say, hey, I have profiles, I have this, I have a portfolio. Don't go into all of that right away. You know, find someone that you trust, build a relationship, be a part of a community and see who's there in that community consistently offering value, sharing knowledge, and seems like they they have a strong knowledge base and experience. You can always tell a good mentor from someone who just considers themselves one based on how they're sharing information. A good mentor will not flaunt that they are a mentor and try and bring you in. They'll give you the information and if they see potential in you, they'll say, hey, by the way, I've got this program or I'd love to help you out with this. Want to get on a call, want to talk about how we can move forward. A good mentor is not pushy, but they will innately, without trying, add value to you you and your life. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, thank you so much for, you know, dropping those jewels and giving advice about finding a mentor. If you are a professional literary field, such as an author or editor, I also have mentors. So glad to know that others also um, use that resource because it's definitely valuable. So uh, one of the things that you've mentioned so far is um, when there may be either disagreement between the author and the editor regarding their manuscripts. And you also encourage editors to use constructive feedback when they're giving you know um, recommendations or asking questions so how do you um, how do you do that when you're working with your clients and what would you recommend to up-and-coming editors to make sure they have a balance between um, okay this is what I see can be improved but also highlighting the things that the author has done well in the manuscript absolutely so I think the best way for me to answer this question would be to kind of highlight some of the key points of my editing philosophy as if I were going through it. So let's say that you and I were to start on a project together. You're the author, I'm the editor. First things first, we'll have a good rapport. We'll find out where you're struggling and what you feel that your piece needs. And we'll just get to know each other and, and how we communicate. Next thing I do is I go over what I think the piece needs. And if it's say, let's say that you need a line edit. I'll tell you what a line edit entails. And I won't go into it here on the podcast, but I'll tell you what it entails and how I handle it. That way for you, there's no surprises in how it's going to look and the type of feedback you can expect. From there, as I'm reading through the piece and providing feedback, I make sure that I'm consistent. And, and I, so on the first few pages, almost always more feedback versus just edits. Um, I provide edits and commentary using track changes and comments. But on that first couple of pages of making comments, I tend to point out things and I will note why I made that change right. um, based on the style guide I use. So for instance, the serial comma, the Oxford comma, mm -hmm. Chicago manual style calls for it. I edit to the Chicago manual style. Mm -hmm. So I'll make that change and say, hey, Chicago manual style recommends the serial comma for clarity. All edits with that have been made for this as you go forward. And then they know, okay, they can reference that, they can check back to that. And so when it comes to something more contentious, like say the choice of a word, I would usually say, hey, you might want to double check this word. It doesn't mean exactly what you think. I recommend this. Mm -hmm. If there's a piece or a paragraph that really just doesn't fit. So let's say that you wrote something and it just is not great. Mm -hmm. My job as an editor, and this is where it dis uh, difference, differentiates from say mentoring or providing critique. In an editorial role, depending on what myself and the author talked about, I will make the changes mm -hmm. or I will make commentary, but the comments have to be constructive. And when I say constructive, my personal guidelines are, number one, has to be honest. Number two, it has to be fair. Number three, it has to be considerate. I have to recognize that the author does not have the same training or experience that I do to see what I see. Right. So they did the best that they could. And also recognizing that they have feelings, they are vulnerable. Authors, when they share their work, are already worried about a number of things from editors stealing their stuff to getting rejected. Like no one wants to feel that way. So my philosophy is don't say anything that you wouldn't want said to you. Mm -hmm. And even if you have thicker skin, if it just feels rude, or if you have to qualify it with, this might sound rude, but mm -hmm. there's always a better way to say it, right? in my opinion. And for me, 
the onus is on the editor to rise to that occasion. Be transparent, be fair, don't shy away from hard truths. This is a business and you owe it to your clients to give them the hard truth. But you can say, hey, this paragraph is full of this specific issue. Would you like me to address this? If so, here's how I might go about it. Right. That's a very clear and concrete way to say, hey, it's got a problem. Here's what I think the problem is. Here's how I would fix it. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's super important to be able to temper how you're feeling about it. In my head, I may be saying, what in the world are they thinking? <laughs> I don't know how they even passed this off as good writing, mm-hmm. but they don't need to hear that. Right. They need to know that you as the editor are on their side. Mm-hmm. And if you give feedback in this way, they'll be more apt to take it. Authors, well, 99 in my experience, 99% of the time, if you come at them negatively, mm-hmm. they will write you off as someone who just doesn't like their work and they will probably demand their money back if they paid up front. That's probably the most frustrating place to be as an editor is having done the work yes. and then being asked for money back mm-hmm. or not getting paid at the end if they didn't pay up front. Just think about your own reputation in that sense. Do you really want to deal with an author going out there and saying that you're a terrible editor? that you don't know what you're talking about, that you're rude, disrespectful, and don't understand what you're doing. Right. That stuff gets around, it really does. And they have a million other editors to choose from. Be a good editor and be nice to people <laughs> and back up your 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 claims, you know? Yes. And if it's something that's opinion-based, don't be afraid to say, hey, this is my opinion on this particular thing. Here's how I would do it. You don't <laughs> have to, but here's how I would do it. Yes, I agree with everything wholeheartedly. Um, I'm four years into editing, so I mean, I still consider myself a newbie um, and I'm always cognizant of how I am making a suggestion. Um, So, I mean, early on in my career, I would have just made a statement like, why is this here? Um, But now, (laughs) time and also, like you said, being considerate, sensitivity, how would I want my editors to leave notes in my manuscript you know it's it's a balance between okay this is what i suggest this is what i recommend this is why i'm asking you this question your readers might not understand this so i absolutely agree that it's a delicate balance between um fixing what's wrong or appears to be wrong but also being very encouraging because like you said it's not easy to hand over your manuscript to someone with the expectation of being critiqued So um, I always keep that in mind. And I'm a published author myself, so I know what that's like. I know what it's like to get my manuscript back with, you know, track changes. So I always keep that in mind. And I'm sure that many editors also have the same um, idea and perspective. And and one more thing I'll say on that is for the author side of things, both authors and editors, remember that it's not like you're turning in your manuscript for a grade. Mm-hmm. Editors, you're not the teacher or instructor or the grader. Your role as an editor is to help it improve. And so you have to go into it with a partnership mindset. You and the author, or from the author side, you and your editor are teammates on this project. Definitely. And you have to go into it with the idea that the author did their part in creating the content the editor, you're doing your part in helping to bring it at least one letter grade up. Yes. At least one letter grade up. And that's that's kind of how you guys go about it together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I do edits, and that, not saying this is how every editor should do it, I offer a 15-minute call or conversation mm-hmm. once I turn over the manuscript. So let's say that you and I go through this whole process, I turn over your manuscript, I'm going to say, hey, 
go ahead and review this. And if you want, we can set up a 15 minute call to go over the edits that were made. You can ask any questions and move forward. That's how you know that you can allow someone to prosper. And it's the same thing for a mentorship. You guys are partners. It's not about turning over for a grade and saying, hey, this is A work, this is D work. Right. You know, it's about being the bridge over that gap. For sure. Absolutely, I agree so often. Um, unfortunately, editors get the bad rap that we're the opponents. And in reality, we are here to help you make your manuscript the best it could possibly be. So for the authors who are listening, um, don't let that deter you. And you have to find the editor that works best for you. So when you have that upfront consultation, you need to be asking questions. You know, what's your genre? What, you know, how long have you been doing this? Mm -hmm. Making sure it aligns with what you want and need for your project. And like you said, I mean, I do the same thing once I'm done with the project. I'll say, hey, you can give me a call if you want to discuss, you know, what I've written here. So thank you for bringing that to the forefront because it is a partnership and we're not your opponents. So don't feel that we are. Don't feel that we are. So um, do you mind just telling the audience a little bit about your specialty genre? Well, the specialty that you do for editing and also the genres that you typically edit. Well, I have done edits in memoir. I've done edits in fantasy I've done edits in non-genre fiction and even kind of the magical realism sort of feel, okay. urban fantasy. Right now, I am specializing in personal development and self-help in the non-fiction space. And in that, you know, there is a certain memoir quality to some of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that books that make the most powerful difference are always strictly prescriptive, where it's like, hey, you've got these steps, do X, Y, and Z, and you'll get the result there's a certain amount of personality that has to be added in there. Mm-hmm. But I, I focus on that, that self-help, self-improvement, professional improvement space, because realistically, there are some people who are dealing with lots of different problems mm-hmm. who want them solved. And as much as fiction can really be empowering and change a lot of lives, I mean, the books that really impacted me a lot of times were fiction. Mm-hmm. You read those types of books for entertainment and hopefully you learn something. But when people want or need a problem solved right now, not just want, but need a problem solved, and they're looking for information, that nonfiction space is the perfect area for them to go and find it because they're gonna look for a book on how to get over this problem. They're going to look for that. And if you can provide an answer in that space, Mm -hmm. great. And I think my fiction background allows me to help these writers to serve in a way that's both engaging, evocative, emotional, and informative. Definitely. Thank you so much for uh, telling us a little bit more about the, you know, the genres that you edit. That is awesome. So being in this field, myself as a a Black female editor, um, it has been very rewarding for me to be able to work with other women who are like myself. So my target market is other Black female entrepreneurs here in the United States who are looking for help through the self-publishing world and, of course, need an editor. So for you, what has been your experience being a Black male editor um, and how do you feel that's impacted the, the clients that you've helped or the the way that you operate your, your business as an editor? Honestly, for myself, I'll say that it hasn't had a major impact in who I've served to this point. Okay. Um, I've had authors from various backgrounds and uh, really various places around the world, mm-hmm. from Germany and Serbia and the UK to Puerto Rico, Hawaii, the Philippines. Um, it really kind of runs the gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, 
as a Black author and editor, one of my main goals is to increase representation. I mentioned before in my bio, you know, I want to help authors to find their voice and to use it. We need, in my opinion, more Black voices. Yeah. This is not to say, like, I will admit, there is not much representation of ethnicity and color in the literary world. Right. Now, I'm not trying to be political in the sense that, I, oh, we need more Black voices here, we need more Black voices there. Mm -hmm. Honestly, there are a lot of Black authors out there who are trying to get their voices heard, sure. and they just need to be served. And so for me, as I progress in my business, I'm looking for ways to serve them. And this is where I will be a little bit political, if you don't mind, in that mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest hindrances to serving some of the Black authors is finances. Yes. A lot of them aren't in the um, tax brackets to be able to pay the rates that many editors charge. Right. And so right. the question that arises is how to serve more of them while still having my my business function and my needs met as an editor. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I am still finding plenty of African-American authors who are wealthy enough to afford it, who have the means. Yes. I will say that, you know, wealth, there isn't, I won't say that there's no wealth in the Black community. Right. We are a wealthy people. Mm -hmm. And I think that a part of it, when it comes to serving them, comes down to trust. I will say that's one thing where being a Black editor has kind of impacted my business mm -hmm. is the amount of trust. Ironically, I've had less trust from Black authors mm. than from their white counterparts. Okay. And I think the reason for it, it comes back around to they don't want to get screwed over. Mm -hmm. And I think in sometimes, in some ways, we as a people don't trust each other. And in that, I try to have everything is professional and upfront. And when I say professional, like it is professional, but the appearance of professionalism yes. and the, the mannerisms of professionalism and an air of friendliness and trustworthiness so that I can overcome that roadblock. Because I know that we want to be able to trust each other and ourselves. For sure. But there are so many times where we, in my experience, have been underserved. Mm -hmm. um, one of my first clients, she had hired an editor and, and um, marketer who was a friend of her family's paid a thousand dollars up front for two books and got no results mm. and she was like i don't know what to do now like, well, i'll tell you what you've already done all this work you've come this far right we're going to get you over the hump don't even worry about it mm -hmm. but that's the type of problem that we keep running up against and it's like how do we solve that and that's something that i'm, I'm still working on i don't have a full answer for that yet Right. But I want to be able, my goal is not just to be an editor or a book coach, but to be able to find ways to create systems mm -hmm. that will enable more voices and more representation and more empowerment so that, you know, yes. the traditional publishing houses and the gatekeepers that have been in place don't really have much of a say. We're in a world where you can reach your consumer, to use yes. business language, so much more readily than ever before. Right. And you don't need a third party. And I think with the right knowledge and the right help, more of us can get there. And I want to see that happen. I just have to figure out some ways to do that. 
Right. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much for giving that feedback. And I certainly agree that there does need to be more representation. Um, But on the other side of that, so excited that we can offer our own solutions. Um, We have our own podcast. We have, you know, we're self-published. We can put out our own books. We don't have to wait for a publishing, you know, house where people don't look like us to approve what we've said or approve our book or give us permission to do X, Y, Z. So I am um, always excited about that and knowing that we can create our own way. However, also recognizing, you know, we deserve to be represented fully and completely and that we should have access to the resources that that others have um, and shouldn't be discriminated against, you know, for reasons beyond our control. So um, again, one of the reasons why I became an editor is to tell our stories the way they should be told. Uh, One of the things I always say is, you know, as a as a black female author handing over my manuscript to a white female or a white male, it comes with a veil. Um, fortunately, unfortunately, however you'd like to observe that for me, I would say unfortunately because of that cultural difference. So if I want to use Ebonics and this white, you know, middle class male or females editing my manuscript, what's the likelihood that they are judging me if the names in the book are not Gary and Sam and, and, and Todd and and uh, Mary and their t- their names like Katira and Andre spelled A-E. <laughs> <laughs> What's the likelihood that this white woman or white man is, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't be spelled that way or what kind of name is that or blah, blah, blah. So I'm saying that to say I'm so glad and honored to be able to work with authors who don't. That's one last thing they have to worry about if they're working with me because I understand it's something I I live, something I've lived and um, appreciate the culture, value the culture, understand the culture. Um, Of course, we're not a monolith. We all have different, you know, within the African-American community, we have different experiences, but generally speaking, there are things that we we share in common. So I love being able to kind of get rid of that veil and working with other people who look like me um, and like yourself, very much interested in getting our stories out there because they've been hidden for so long. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I just have a few more questions before we wrap up. I'm I'm really enjoying this interview. Um, So again, thank you so much for coming on. And I know that our listeners are certainly uh, soaking this in. So of course, you've been an editor for quite some time. I know that you've learned a lot. So based on your experience, what do you consider your favorite and least favorite thing about being an editor? Gosh, well, first off, thank you again for having me on. I'm loving this conversation so much. I would say my favorite thing about being an editor, I've got a couple of favorites, um, favorite two things for me. Number one is being able to have a life where I get to read and see so many different stories and so much creativity. I think it's so powerful, both in the, the nonfiction and fiction space to see what's actually going on in so many different people's minds. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. But then also as an editor to see an author who's been well served get to the other side, you know? We mentioned how vulnerable and uncomfortable it can be to share your work, especially if it's not someone who looks, thinks and talks like you. Um, there can be challenges, you know? Um, I mentioned my friend earlier who was done wrong by another editor. I think my favorite thing about that whole experience was 
meeting her in person and getting a signed copy, you know, the smile on her face and, and the amount of support. I mean, I met her grandmother, I met her neighbors and they were like, oh, this is the guy that helped you? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's not about me. I, I'm glad to see it. I'm like, no, but thank you. She's been doing this for way too long. We've been trying to get published and finally someone helped her get there. Yes. And she's on her way to a, a writing career. She's got four other novels written and waiting for edits. I'm like, gosh, but her goal, her dream is to be... um the next, uh, yes, David Pattinson. Okay. That's her goal is to be like him and make her living, telling mm-hmm. stories. I'm like, that's it. I want to see people reaching their goals. Yeah. Least favorite thing I would say is probably authors who are unappreciative. Yeah. Because this is, like we said before, a partnership and we put in a lot of work. And I'd like say we only want the best for the author and for a piece. And some authors really don't take any criticism well. And the question that comes to my mind is, if you knew all of the answers, why did you ask for help? (laughs) And I can navigate that space fairly well. Right. But I feel like sometimes I shouldn't have to jump through such mental hoops to bring an author on board with the work they asked for. Right. Right. Definitely. And I would say the other, well, for me, my least favorite. And one thing I've I've noticed is the clients who want the best deal require the most time and Mm -hmm. energy. I don't know if you've experienced that, but, um, you know, the, the ones that want the discount or they want, they want a rundown of every single thing you're going to do tend to, to bring the, um, like I said, the, the most amount of time, the most energy, and you know, oftentimes the the least pleasurable experiences. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say for me, just to add my two cents. I've heard that from other editors, so I know I'm not alone. But I think that works across anything, though. Usually in any business, it's the people who are willing to give the least who require or ask for the most. So I've learned that, and I think that implementing the consultation up front gives me a clearer <laughs> clearer picture so that I can say, okay, this is what this is going to be like. So maybe we should stop here. But that's just my two cents about my least favorite. And then like yourself, uh, my, my most favorite is, you know, when the client has book in hand, um, I love being able to go to client book signings and just seeing them and seeing all the supports they have and seeing how they use their book, whether it turns into curriculum or they use it for speeches or you know whatever way they choose to use it. So um, we definitely have that similarity and I consider that a favorite part as well. Absolutely, I think um, realistically, those of us who become editors, like we, we, we choose this path, number one, because we love books and we love reading, but then there's also that part of us that love to see authors get to the other side and being a part of that. I mean, realistically speaking, mm-hmm. you know, it could be a lot, you know, to go into a, 100,000 word book here and help this to become ready. Right. Most people don't have that amount of patience. And and that's the thing I will say, if you're going to choose this route as an editor for anyone who's aspiring, have patience. There are so many authors at different levels and they're counting on you to help them. So don't get to 50,000 words and, and call yourself done. Like. First and foremost, know your limits, know how much you can edit, know your deadlines. Right. Don't give us a seven-day deadline on a 100,000-word manuscript right. unless you want working all day, every day for seven days straight. Yes. 
you will pull your hair out and you will resent it by about 60,000 words. Yes. <laughs> be realistic and be honest. And if your author needs it done in seven in seven days and you can't do it at that point, you yep. might have to let that one go. It right. will be better served for both you and them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a, yeah, another important part of that is knowing when to say no. And that doesn't only apply to the editor, but also the author. So if there's mm-hmm. red flags during that, that pre-consultation or that opening consultation, that's the perfect time for you to say, we should quote while we're ahead. I'm, I, I'd like to pursue yeah. another editor because if you don't, which I've learned from experience, um, <laughs> you end up doing work that they're not satisfied with. Or, um, you know, like you said earlier, you have to send out refunds and there's all this confusion. So know that you have the power to say this is not a good manuscript for me to work on. And as the author, you also have the power to say you're not the best fit for me. And also mm-hmm. not taking that personal. It's, it's business. Uh, yes. I don't want to work on a manuscript that the author doesn't feel I'm the best fit for I would Absolutely. rather you tell me, Katyra, I know you edit nonfiction, but this is a sci-fi. So I don't think I want you touching my manuscript because you don't know how to do that. That's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> that is so important. It's, it's, that is like fine. you mentioned before, knowing the genres that they work on, authors be okay with, with you know, looking around mm-hmm. and having real conversations. You know, if you find an editor that they seem to really get you, they get your piece, and they have a catalog of, of all the things that you write about, mm-hmm. they might be 110% fit. And it's okay to go with them. And you don't have to feel bad. Just, right. again, always communicate. You know, if you were talking with three or four different editors and you say, hey, I'll get back to you, yes. make sure you do. Absolutely. <laughs> Just yeah. out of courtesy. Um, I haven't dealt with any who don't show up again myself personally, but I've seen it so many times. and. It's just a communication piece going both ways, you know? Right. Editors, again, be honest about what you can reasonably take. If you got three projects due or on the same day, you may not need to take that one. So just, again, knowing what you're needing and if it's going to be a good fit at this time with these people, it's okay not to be a good fit. There are plenty of authors and editors in the world. Yes, absolutely. Um, And just to tie in, I meant to mention this earlier, you talked about professionalism, um, which is so important, whether you're a business owner, author, freelancer, employee. Um, I just wanted to plug my first book, Professionalism, What's That, covers, you know, many of (laughs) the that we have touched on. Um, So conflict management. Um, I also talk about code switching um, in that book. Um, I won't go into detail, but I, you know, talk about all of the important things that we should be doing to present ourselves as professionals. Um, Being courteous, responding, getting back to your clients, getting back to your editor, um, being timely, being punctual, being honest, all of those things. You can buy the book on Amazon or you can go on my website, PolandLLC.com, but I just um, forgot to tie that into when you mentioned professionalism. So in closing, I would love to, I would love to know, and I'm sure our audience would love to know. So what resources or trainings or books or conferences, associations do you recommend to our listeners who are aspiring editors that help you out on your journey? Wow, that's a great question. And as I've been thinking this over, I would say (laughs) there are so many, number one, free resources. I know starting out, a lot of editors and aspiring editors don't have a lot to invest with. Take advantage of free resources online. Um, Places like Readsy and Grammarly put out articles almost daily. Mm -hmm. Read them. Some of them are popular that they are resources that pop up the moment you ask a certain question. Don't be afraid to Google. Don't be afraid to Google. 
But then also um, books. Books will be your best friend in my experience. Really, any book that you can read on editing in the genre you want to work in. If you like technical writing or legal writing, look up writing guides for that. Look up writing styles for that. Find books in that niche on how to write and find examples of the written pieces. And then um, just read them, read them and keep them. If you have a space for them, keep them. Um, if you can get digital copies, great, because you can reference them on your phone, but books will be your best friend. I think I have on my shelf, as I'm looking right now, 12 different books on writing and editing. Then I've got, I think another 14 to 20 more in Kindle. And then a flash drive with a folder with like 12 other books I've read and skimmed through. Mm -hmm. Like books will be your best friend. The more that you read, of course, you'll become a faster reader and you'll learn. Then there are numerous organizations out there from Upwork on getting started to Fiverr to ReadZ. If you can get it on ReadZ, it's a great place to really get started while also having a certain amount of trust. Um, the ReadZ name has a lot of trust and they do require that you build up a certain amount of work. So if you have a portfolio, have that together. But really, if you can get into some of these organizations, um, EFA Editorial Freelancers Association is another good one. Just by name, they have lots of editors, and they have a reputation. But really, for me and my personal experience growing over the last almost decade now, it's hard to say being that I'm only 27. <laughs> Books have been my best friend. And then, of course, as you make relationships with people, that will be essential. So I guess if I were to boil it down, read widely, keep your library of reference books, and make good connections. If you have friends who are in the coaching world already, talk to them and ask questions and take notes. See what they're offering in terms of mentorship programs, if they're offering them, or how you can get in with them. You know, nothing has been more valuable to me than the people that I ended up working with or becoming friends with who've given me free resources, given me advice, mm -hmm. who've shown me stuff. That's how I found my first official mentor, was just joining different groups and asking questions and meeting people. For sure, I second that. Thank you so much for you know sharing that. Thank you so much for telling us more about your background, how you got started, your favorite and least favorite parts, and also you know sharing resources and you know having dialogue with myself and connecting with and sharing with our audience. Most importantly, um, so if a client is listening or someone uh, you know listening knows someone who needs an editor or they're interested in reading your books. Where, the, where can they find your services and how can they keep in touch with you? Goodness, well, I should be really proficient at answering this question, but really, um, I don't have a website right now. It's okay. under okay. Uh, maintenance at the moment, but anyone who's looking to get in touch with me can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Instagram handle being author.andresmith and Facebook, Andre Smith Jr. I let me pull it up here. I got to look at it. Yes. Author Andre. Facebook.com slash author Andre. A-N-D-R-A-E. And you can friend request me, shoot me a message. I've checked them almost daily. Anyone who wants to get in touch with me can find me there. Okay. Awesome. And you can see everything I'm offering. Okay. Thank you so much, Andre, again. I really appreciate, appreciate your time and your willingness to be a guest, your willingness to um, help and encourage our listeners and also myself. Um, it has certainly been a delight. I, will, I would love to invite you to come back on another episode, um, but thank you so much for your time and everything that you have imparted uh, during today's episode. 
Oh, thank you again for having me on. It's been a true pleasure. And gosh, like I'll tell you, don't get me started on too many things. I can talk. Um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. And I would love to come back on. I'd love to have you in an interview in my Facebook group. For just sure. talk about more of these topics and experience. I think the more people, especially people of color, who want to learn about writing and publishing and editing, the more we can provide, the more we can inspire that, that next generation. We need to know that there are paths out there and that you can make a way. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for those last words. And thank you, of course, to the audience for tuning in. I really appreciate your listenership. I hope that you learned as much as I did um, and that you have walked away feeling better about um, embarking on becoming an author and also working with an editor. Um, thanks again. Um, I would like to thank our sponsor, Hasu, uh, Hook Assist Up. Thank you so much for sponsoring <laughs> our episodes. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. Anchor.fm slash editor knows best. You can listen to past episodes in this current episode as well. And you can also request to be a guest if you visit that page. Again, my name is Katyra Colon. I am the hostess and creator of Editor Knows Best. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be safe and be well. <laughs>